Okay. Fantastic. Welcome, Dan, and thanks so much. For the, the, should I call you Denzai or like how, how does it work? Yeah, uh, Denzai is my nickname. Uh, everyone calls me that. So. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, Denzai, thanks for coming and welcome. And before we start, can you actually teach me? This has been like a very stressful day. Can you? Do you have any secrets like how to relax? Like any trick to 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 in yeah. in a few seconds, just like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Uh, the key is the breath and we have a nerve that runs through the face and connects to the heart and the other organs called the vagus nerve and it's connected with our breathing. Now when we take an inhale, it speeds up our heart rate and when we take an exhale, it slows down our heart rate. So if we take a really long, slow exhalation, we can stimulate this nerve to calm the body and stimulate what's called the parasympathetic nervous system. So we have two nervous systems, sympathetic and parasympathetic. Sympathetic is like fight or flight and parasympathetic is rest and digest, relax. So if we take a deep breath in and really slow out. Like that, you feel a bit better? It does work. The, the breath out should be through the nose or through the mouth? It can be nose or mouth. Um, and then another thing, if you can coordinate it, is actually breathing through the belly. So oh, so with the diaphragm? Yeah, like with the diaphragm. Because breathing through the chest and the shoulders, this is, um, uh, it's not that effective for deep breathing. It's, um, these are not respiratory muscles. So if you inhale, expand the belly and then exhale. So I should not like inhale with my chest, just just the belly. I should f- at least I should focus on, on the. B- yeah, yeah. Focus on the belly. Naturally, the chest will expand because the lungs are beneath the chest. But if we're breathing like this, this will uh, sometimes even onset stress because this doesn't allow you to take a full deep breath. It's shallow breathing. Interesting. Yeah. How like it? It's really kind of counterintuitive. Like uh, why have we evolved in a way that we think that but like breathing is expanding our, our chest? Like but most people, they just go like with it, with, you know, shoulders and chest. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not too sure on the science behind it. Uh, I know sitting has a lot to do with the way we breathe uh, in that when we're sitting in a chair, for example, for long periods of time, the weight of our upper body is actually pushing on the diaphragm. So that's so- always compressed. Yeah, and sometimes it's a little bit tricky to breathe with that pressure on top of the diaphragm. Uh, it's easiest when you're lying on your back to belly breathe. So I feel there's a link between that, um, seated for long periods and then taking over to just chest breathing. Interesting. The first time I've been taught to breathe using my stomach was um, during a... I, I do martial arts, so I was a pr- practicing martial arts. The instructor told me to... Like that's the proper way of breathing. And then I've done a little research, but not enough. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, you're into martial arts as well, right? Yeah, mainly um, the energetic side of martial arts. So Qigong uh, is a, a foundation in a lot of different uh, Eastern uh, martial arts, like Shaolin Kung Fu, for example. And Tai Chi. Yeah, and Tai Chi as well. Um, and I'm really interested in that. Just because Wing Chun is com- comes from the same? Similar, similar. So Wing Chun is a derivative from um, Shaolin Kung Fu. Which comes from? Uh, yeah, which uh, originated in China. And they have um, the, the Qigong or the breathing internal practice as part of that. Whereas Wing Chun is very internal. Um, so the forms itself and the practice itself is, is all internal. So your specialization is Qigong? Yes. What can you tell me about Qigong? 
Uh, so Qigong is an ancient form of energy cultivation. Uh, the word Qi translates to mean energy or breath or life force. And uh, it's interchangeable with, say, the word prana in yoga. They talk about the same type of breath or life force or energy within the body. And gong is practice or cultivation. So the practice of breathing or the practice of uh, this, this life force or this energy. And it originated in China many thousands of years ago as a way to enhance the internal body. So we can have strong muscles, we can be very flexible, but if our organs are not healthy, then the rest of our body isn't healthy. So through the deep breathing and the intention and the movements, we can enhance the energy within the body. It's interesting because uh, it sounds to me that your approach to martial arts is more spiritual, as you said. Uh, to most people, well, on a, on a very basic level, some people like are into martial arts because they like um, as trivial as it is to, to, to fight, basically, like uh, um, UFC, mm. MMA, and stuff like that. But then there's like a deeper level of people that think like, it's not to attack, it's, to, it's for self-defense. And then there is another level, which is like the connecting with your inner self and, and, and connecting with your body. And, and this is where it gets really interesting. Where is the line between like self-defense? Like, can you use Qigong for self-defense, for instance? Um, I've never had to. If I would, I would probably say the best type of self-defense is to um, not to fight. To, Avoid a conflict. To diffuse, yeah, to diffuse the situation before it can. Um, if you can convince your attacker to deep breathe or uh, <laughs> if you can do it to um, not react to the situation, you yourself might um, not be the cause of it. Um, but I believe that the external world reflects the internal world in a sense and that if you have the inner peace within yourself, a situation like that won't arise or you won't manifest it because there is none of that within you. Yes, I, I have a funny story about that. Um, I was in New Zealand at the time and uh, it was New Year's Eve. I was in line to get into a club. I was with Filippo, you know, uh, Kyo? Yes, yes. A and um, there was this like huge, very muscly guy, uh, a bit drunk who just grabbed me by the collar and politely asked me, do you want to fight me with, with me, please? I was like, this is odd. Yeah, but yeah. He, he was clearly drunk and aggressive and he was looking for a fight, but I don't know what the energy was. I just I hugged him and I told him like, I'm your friend, I'm not going to fight you. And he was like, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. And he just walked away. And then he started bothering other people and they called the police and they took him away. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think like uh, having a mindset that is not like um, leaning towards the, the, the aggressive side is what helps in most uh, circumstances. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, how, how, what's your practice? Like you, how do you combine health and um, martial arts and you do other things right? like uh, fire spinning and well okay let me know like t tell me everything that you do so to have a uh, vision like an over overview of everything okay so um <laughs> when i was younger in high school i really got into exercise and and training and i thought okay what can i do to involve this uh, very important aspect in my life all the time and then I became a personal trainer because then I'm working in a gym. I'm in that environment all the time. <coughs> I can exercise all the time. Uh, and then when I did my PT course, I also did my remedial massage course as well. So I got to learn more about the body. I got to understand anatomy at a deeper level and complement my personal training with that. Then after that, I got into Qigong and fire spinning. 
Um, it was when I went to uh, a festival and I saw other people doing fire dancing. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. Um, and then fire uh, is always um, attractive and hypnotic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was definitely mesmerized by it. Um, and then Qigong came along with that when I was dancing at a party and I could feel energy and I was just playing with it. And I thought this was a common thing. I thought everyone could sense it and feel it. And a friend of me was like, oh, you're doing Tai Chi. And I was like, what's Tai Chi? <laughs> um, so then I dived into the practice. I started to learn more about it, practice it, um, uh, and then eventually started to teach it. How uh, long have you been practicing? For? Five years. Five years. Nice. Five years. Uh, and then after that, I got certified in yin yoga and um, hatha vinyasa yoga as well. And <coughs> started to practice that uh, and now teach that as well. And what else? Yeah, that's about it. Oh, and I play the didgeridoo. <laughs> cool. And you involved that in the, in the healing practice because you said you yep. do sound therapy, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, since I've been playing the didgeridoo or the yidiki, um, uh, the traditional name for it for three how do you pronounce it okay yidaki or yidaki yidaki yeah yeah um so that's the traditional name for it and so where does the name didgeridoo come from i believe it's a westernized name for it oh, okay. uh, or that's at least what i was taught um so it's i think it's the english um they called it the didgeridoo okay and um been playing that for three years and since playing that i started playing it recreationally just for fun because i was like oh i can this was the first instrument I could play when I picked it up straight away. Piano was tricky. Guitar was tricky. Did you do? I got it. Because you're good with breathing and that's all about breathing, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'd already been doing Qigong for a couple of years and it just yeah, it came naturally to me. So um, started off just playing recreationally, recreationally for fun. Uh, and then I noticed people do sound healing with it. So I started playing it for people just like to listen at, um, what are the health benefits of, uh, either like the singing, uh, singing bowls, singing bowls yeah. or, or the didgeridoo? Like what do I benefit from that when, when I do like a therapy like that? Sound healing. Well, my understanding of it is everything in the universe is frequency. So everything is vibration and you can resonate with a particular vibration and you can shift your own based on that resonance if you match with something or if you're surrounded by a particular vibration it can help bring yours up or down or whatever so in a sound healing session if there is a mismatch in your energy or an imbalance of sorts and you're surrounded by this other vibration which is more harmonious that can help bring you into balance uh, by just changing your own frequency oh, like according yeah. like uh what, what's the word uh tuning tuning, tuning. Yeah, yeah exactly like tuning yeah interesting um I don't know. I think I, I like to think that ev everything in the universe is made of energy. I'm not particularly aware of like how easy it would be to affect, like to change that energy. Mm. But this is definitely something that it's uh, it's worth. Have, have you experienced it yourself? Like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. For like you probably experience it every single day. So uh, have you ever had a thought and then had a feeling about that thought? Yes. And then felt that emotion. Of course. That is a perfect example of how that energy shifts and that changes. So it can change from one minute to the next, thinking of one thing and then another thing. And the way that we feel about those thoughts and through that feeling, through that emotion, we have a, a change in our state, a change in our, in our being. Yes. Uh, the, the way I recently come to like think of those changes of status of, of my mind specifically uh, is that our brain produces like chemical reactions that uh, affect. The, so 
in a way, uh, emotions are the result of chemical reactions that happen in your in, in our brains, mm-hmm. and there are so many factors, including music, that can trigger that reaction to happen. Yeah. Um, what What do you think, in terms of emotions, like, what's your um, how do you see emotions? Like, if you had to define emotions. So my understanding of emotions and how I would define it as energy in motion. So how we feel something in a moment based on our perspective. So we can have a situation or an idea or a thought and how we understand the thought, how we perceive the thought, we have a response about it. So say, for example, we might see um, a clown and some people might laugh at the clown and think the clown is funny. But other people might think the clown is scary. So it's the same scenario, but different people have different um, emotional responses based on their perspective or yes, their yeah. understanding. The, the background as well, like yeah, the history. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so because of that, it creates a different change within the body. So our emotions are governed by our perspective and how we view and understand situations. So when we can transcend limiting perspectives or rather the perspectives that create... Um, say emotional suffering or the lower vibrating emotions we can view situations in the highest light or find the silver lining so to speak uh, and then feel good more of the time fantastic so the ultimate goal of everything that you do is basically to feel good to like chase um, happiness or what kind of status like because happiness is like it's not in the middle right like it's above average can you be happy constantly or there is something yeah. like you feel bad, you feel happy and then there's something in between? Uh, I believe there's a spectrum of all emotions. Um, for me personally, I live my life based on how I feel. If it doesn't feel good, I don't do it. And if something doesn't feel good and I haven't uh, had deep introspection about the situation. So to say, for example, I don't feel good about uh, cleaning my room. Uh, this is something that I understand is important to do. I have to do it. and. I can redefine certain things that I don't feel good about so that I do feel good about it. So, for example, um, this is like I do clean my room, but if I, if I didn't... <laughs> no, no, by redefining things in order yeah. to, to, to trick yourself in a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's um, brilliant, yeah. Um, so, through the redefinition of things or the changing of uh, perspective, mind-bending, for example, I can or I do uh, view things in a way that allows me to feel better about it. Um, yeah. I experienced the very same thing with cold showers. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning, I was like, in my mind, a shower was a nice, warm, cozy place where I could just like relax. And whenever I was thinking about cold shower, it was like, no, 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 that's just, just, just terrible. But now, after, I, I, I never take a hot shower anymore. Uh, every time I think of a shower, it's like, okay. This is going to be like super energizing. If, if yeah. I feel tired, I'm going to feel amazing. Yeah. Um, it, it, if it's hot, it's going to just, I'm going to feel much fresher. Um, and, and now if I think of a warm shower, it, I get the opposite effect. I'm like, ah, yeah. oh, why would I do that? I, then I become sleepy. Then like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it tricks your brain into like perceiving as positive something that was negative, like before, you know, before yeah, in the previous status. Yeah. 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 Completely agree. It's, um, so I like to call it mind bending when we change our perspective, um, as like maybe the seventh sense, for example, where we can have, uh, any situation. What's the sixth? Intuition. Okay. Well, that's my definition at least. <laughs> okay. Um, and then we can have any situation and we can change our perspective by bending the mind to view it in the, 
in the highest light or in the most positive way to then get that experience because however we perceive a situation defines our experience of the situation absolutely that's why sometimes you're traveling and you hate a place but that was not because of the place but because of the circumstances the people you were with or the events that happened there and maybe you go to the same place another time you have an amazing time and now you love that place yeah it, it's all about the the environment i think how many senses do we have <laughs> well, I I've, I believe we have maybe infinite senses, um, but I've gotten up to seven. So obviously sight, sound, taste, touch, smell, uh, intuition. And then uh, mo most recently I've coined the term mind bending or changing a perspective, having um, with my clients with remedial massage, a lot of the, um, the sessions uh, deal with mindset because everything that uh, manifests itself physically uh, starts off as energy. And because emotion is energy in motion, the way we feel um, majority of the time can manifest itself uh, within the physical body. So I can do a session and work on particular parts, but if the mindset is stuck in a particular way of thinking, it will just recreate the same uh, issues within the body. Interesting. Yeah. That's fascinating. So if you had to find a label for your uh, profession or your job or what you do, what, what would that be? Um, so I'd probably say the body mechanic. Uh, <laughs> I like the sound of it. Yeah, something that's like uh, repair, maintenance and performance uh, because the body is our vehicle for life and we have it forever. Um, and we always have to make sure that we repair it if it ever gets damaged. We have to make sure we maintain it, you know, feed it healthy food, exercise, sleep. Um, and if we want to increase performance to get more out of our body, to get more out of life, then of course we do that. There are theories that claim that sooner or later we're going to be able to actually transfer our consciousness outside of our bodies mm. have you ever heard any of that uh like into uh technology or it could be like into cloud kind of space uh or into machines yes yeah well well i guess um yeah anything's possible uh, maybe even there is only one consciousness so it's already everywhere I like that. Yeah. So we're talking about global consciousness, right? Like, um, what can you tell me about that? Um, well, I believe collective, co collective, collective yeah. consciousness. Yeah. Uh, well, I believe every um, everyone is connected to the one consciousness. That we are all just one consciousness, one uh, perceiver of reality, one awareness. As humans. Yeah, as humans, as as everything. Uh, I believe everything has consciousness. Um, but we have this individual experience uh, temporarily uh, as a soul or um, a perceiver in our own bodies. And um, yeah, we go through this life uh, expanding consciousness through our experience. So another way to put it is that experiencing is the ultimate goal of life, uh, of expanding our consciousness. Yeah, yeah. So I believe that the soul is the emotional processor of thought um, that consciousness is all thought every single idea ever um, that has existed or will exist or, or does and as a soul we get to process this thought on an emotional level level and then this manifests the experience of uh, that uh, that processing and then we get to experience it uh, in the physical so first in the the mental the emotional when we have the idea when we have the feeling about it and then when we manifest it physically interesting what um if you have to put like one single priority in your life what what would it be what would be the most important thing breathing breathing <laughs> breathing yeah so being present in a way uh yeah definitely so you when you breathe breathing is the one thing that keeps you in the present moment you can only ever breathe in the moment of now 
Um, and because it is both a, an unconscious and a conscious act of the body, we can use it as a tool, a very powerful tool, uh, to always bring us into the present moment. But by breathing deeper, and this is where the practice of Qigong comes in. Is where there any other thing that is uh, both unconscious and conscious? Because a heartbeat is not like conscious, like we cannot stop our heart, right? Uh, well, it depends. Uh, <laughs> there, there are some oh. monks, you know, the monks in uh, in India and China that have um, abilities. They they've been able to slow down their heart rate, change the metabolism. Oh, but slow down is something that uh, and change the metabolism as well is something that you do. Um, I I know what you're talking about. It, it's 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 a bit different than stopping it. Yeah, I think because if you if you put yourself in a very quiet calm status of mind you can slow down everything that your body does including your heartbeat mm. but stopping it i don't can they do that uh, i believe so i and i'm pretty sure i've read one of so there's um the yoga sutras which are um ancient vedic texts describing um the philosophy of yoga and i believe one of them is that ability so um That's interesting yeah. i heard of it in a completely different context where people uh, criminals that they were getting um, interrogated uh, in the states. You know they have the polygraph to to detect if they were lying or not. Yeah, yeah. And they were training, uh, trying to learn tricks how to slow down their heartbeat in a way that it wouldn't show. Mm. Uh, because the higher the heart rate, the, 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 oh, a change in the heart rate would would uh, indicate like uh, it, it, they were lying. Uh, uh, yeah. So they, 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 they were learning these techniques that in theory they help you to, to maintain a stable uh, heart rate regardless the emotions that you're experiencing at the moment. Yeah, wow. Um, but yeah, I never, I should do some research about like stopping a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why you'd want to do that though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was wondering if it just was possible or if breathing is the only thing that could be conscious and unconscious unconscious at the same time. Well, i think blinking as well is oh, uh, yes. conscious unconscious swallowing saliva um sometimes we have habits like scratch the yeah, nose yeah, you know yeah. um but definitely breath is like the key because um you know we can go days sometimes even weeks without food water and sleep but yes. minutes without air so it's super important um and you take any organism and 15 i think it's the word record <laughs> yeah yeah for now <laughs> um but you take any organism and deprive it of oxygen it will perish but if you give it an abundance or if you give it extra it will thrive uh, and i believe in the practice of qigong you're regularly deep breathing you're receiving more oxygen uh throughout your practice throughout the day uh, and this has a direct effect on allowing the body to thrive interesting why is the body so important i know about uh a few uh people who meditate and who claim that they can um pass me the the the, the, the sentence travel with their mind mm. i don't know how to phrase it astral better. projection yes yes you know better so what can you tell me about that um so <coughs> basically they disregard the body right yeah, in a sense. Um, so in yogic philosophy, there are 10 bodies. We have like the mental body, the physical body, the emotional body, uh, and the astral body is the body that we astral project with. So you can think of the astral realm as the place we go to when we dream, when we're asleep. And astral projection is a way in which we can take our consciousness and through that awareness, uh, say for example, in our dream state, become aware that we are dreaming and take over control of the dream and um, live through the dream as if we were living in this reality, controlling it and doing whatever. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's similar to lucid dreaming and, and astral projection. Um, but in the practice of meditation, for example, 
when I went to China uh, in 2019, I went there to study Qigong and to uh, learn uh, Shaolin Kung Fu uh, at the temple. And one of the monks... You speak Mandarin? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Just curious. <laughs> Hello, goodbye, how much? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the food. And um, when I went there, one of the monks spoke really good English, so I did a private lesson with him. And he uh, taught me some meditation and the, the principle of Chan Buddhism or Zen Buddhism, yeah. uh, the same thing. And he said that the first stage is finding that stillness, just calming the mind uh, and feeling still in the body. And he said, you do this for a period of time. And then the second stage is where you feel your head floating. You feel you don't have a body. You just have the head and the mind. And then he said the third stage is the stage you want to achieve and where your mind actually leaves your body and you can look down on your body and see yourself and then you can travel and do anything. And the way he explained it, I, I thought to myself, this sounds exactly like astral projection. And I was like, I know so many friends and like hippies and everything. Like we do this all the time. Is this actually the goal? Um, so yeah, astral projection, I feel is like a way that we can tap into, um, you know, other realms and, you know, learn things and, uh, and bring that back into to this reality. Fantastic. And, and what's the, um, uh, what about dreaming and uh, lucid dreaming? How do they connect to, to how do how those kind of experiences affect our um, health or so, our mind in general? So I've read um, different theories on, on dream state. So our brain has this tendency to want to rationalize everything that we experience throughout the day. And we experience a lot of things throughout the day. So for example, if it doesn't have time to process something, and sometimes this can be an extreme event like we're waiting for our mom to pick us up from school and then she's a little bit late and she said she was going to come at four and then she doesn't come till five but then when she arrives everything happens so quickly the brain doesn't have time to process this and it might even be something as small as someone cuts in front of us while we're waiting at the cafe and so in the dream state the brain will recreate events to rationalize everything that happened in the day in the day that it didn't get to in real time um, and when we dream, and I learned this from Wim Hof when I, um, when I went to, to Poland to train with him, um, oh. doing, um, uh, the winter experience, climbing the mountain, doing the breathing. And How is he in real life? Oh, he's more alive and, and like vibrant than you can ever believe. He's just so out there. He, he can play the guitar like a wizard. I think he speaks like t 12 languages, like wow. insane. Um, and we talked about uh, the breathing and how breathing releases DMT, which is um, what gets released when we dream. Uh, and it's a very powerful hormone for healing and for healing trauma. Um, and through a lot of deep breath work and um, breathing practices, you can heal unconscious trauma just by releasing that emotion. You don't have to find out what it is or why it happened. It just um, has the effect of healing. And so I believe that the dream state, when we release that, it has that same effect of, of processing and healing um, trauma on both ends of the spectrum. What do you think about the recreational use of DMT? I know a lot of people who are into that and uh, some for reasons better than others. Uh, some just like experiences like ayahuasca with a shaman. But what, what do you think about that? So um, with I don't believe something like that should be used recreationally. Um, what I've learned about it and understood about it is it's uh, uh, especially why they do it in um, uh, like ayahuasca ceremony and they have a shaman is it's uh, a very powerful tool or a spiritual tool to connect uh, with another dimension or another realm, possibly even the astral realm. Um, and it should be considered more of a, um, a sacred type of practice or a tool. Uh, and through the breath work and through um, um, the deep breathing, very similar thing 
um, can happen naturally um, through the, the same practice. You can release that high amount of uh, DMT within the brain. And um, when we were in, um, in Poland, we did a lot of the deep breathing. And I remember I would be dreaming, but while I was awake. So I would be, you know, holding my breath, doing the breathing, holding my breath, doing the breathing. Uh, and I would see these images with my eyes closed and it was like I was dreaming in real life. Um, and yeah, it was just a very cool experience. Um, I don't know too much about it, but um, from what I've read, yeah. I have I had a similar experience in terms of like um, sleep paralysis, which is, I, I've been told what happens when you're trying to train for lucid dreaming, but mm. before you achieve that, you, you go through this weird uh, in-between phase. And that was super, super strange. Basically, I could see an over overlap of like my dream in reality but my body was still paralyzed because of the sleep yeah so yeah. I, I was not able to move my body and I was asleep but I was awake at the same time and I, I and I could see the room so I was seeing that the, the creature that I was dreaming in the room that was real and I could not move and that was just terrifying yeah wow I think isn't that's like the bridge like after that it's like you you after that I gave up I think <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty scary as an experience mm. um but, but back to uh, drugs for a second oh by the way is there anyone uh, asking questions saying something Kio do we have anything that you want to ask then um, we don't have any question at the moment but um I just wanted to ask yeah, I had a question, but can you just come back to me a bit later? I just, I just totally forgot. The, the, that's right. You, you as a body mechanic, um, the use of drugs for therapeutic purposes, uh, drugs can have an effect on the short or long term uh, on our bodies, uh, on our um, whatever is there that's not just physical. Um, where do you stand on drugs? So if it doesn't uh, naturally, if it's not naturally produced, I feel that uh, personally, I don't believe in it. I know there are like pharmaceutical medications that they do have effects on the body to work in particular ways. But personally, I believe more in the natural approach uh, of healing uh, as well as enhancement of the body through herbs uh, and natural processes like this. Um, just because uh, whatever you eat, you become like you are what you eat in a sense. Yes. And if you are consuming something synthetic on a regular basis, it's not, um, I believe it's not as beneficial for the body. There's no life force in that. There's no energy, no, no chi in that, so to speak. Interesting. Well, one might argue that, um, let's say, isn't everything around us natural to an extent in the sense that uh, we as you okay everything is made by uh, is made of energy right mm -hmm. um, and uh, physics uh, is teaching us that energy cannot be uh, create or destroyed but can only like be can only transform uh, so we as humans are not able to create energy but the same way since everything is made of energy we are not able to actually create anything so uh, all we can do is to change the matter from one status to another so everything that we build actually uh, it's part of nature in a way we're just just discovering it so what's not natural 
So I believe the further something uh, is processed from its natural state or its natural form, the less it loses its, its life force or its essence. So for example, you take an apple from the tree, straight away it's got the most life force, but then you cut it up, it starts to oxidize. Maybe you blend it up, maybe you cook it in a cake, you leave it for a few days, uh, and then step by step it has less and less. Interesting, interesting. Uh, reminds me of, um, I, I don't remember very well how it works, but it's uh, the amount of, it's the same concept that goes with uh, why don't we eat, uh, I, I, I don't anyway because I'm uh, vegetarian slash vegan or whatever, uh, but the reason why don't we eat uh, predator animals is because like there is a dispersion in energy like the 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 higher you go up to the like uh chain so like grass is the most and then the creatures that eat grass and then the bear that it it's the rabbit and yeah 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 i, I believe that too so i'm vegan myself oh. um and i transitioned uh five years ago um i used to believe like you have to eat meat you have to uh have eggs dairy all this stuff uh, and then my body started to change in line with my practice of Qigong. I started to feel more sensitive around different people, uh, but particularly the foods I was eating was changing how I felt. And because I do everything based on how I feel, if I wasn't feeling good after eating a meal, I didn't want to have that food. Um, and yeah, I believe the same thing. Like uh, all protein in the world comes from plants and then uh, whatever consumes it thereafter is a filtered down process. Um, so you can go straight to the source, or you can get a filtered down uh, product of it. Yeah, well, it's it's already been disproved that you need uh, protein coming from animal to to feel well. Actually, mm. pro pro proteins that comes from vegetables uh, they serve us much better. The only problem with an entirely vegan diet is the vitamin B12, which you cannot source from uh, plants because of the industrial washing and all of that. Uh, how do you get your B12? I'm not vegan because just because of B12 and something similar to what you said about natural sources of things. I don't like the idea that I need to rely uh, to a pharmaceutical company or whatever that gives me pills or uh, supplements. So I don't want to get like B12 supplements. Mm. So I prefer to eat eggs. But that's the only non-vegan thing that I eat and just because of B12. Mm. Um, so I agree that you know, how we used to eat, um, the soil was much richer in quality, it had a lot more nutrients. And nowadays, because of the farming, because of the, the mainstream way of doing things, uh, it's lost a lot of its nutrients. So as best as you can, if uh, like I eat organic as often as I can, um, and, yeah, do the same. and as whole food as possible. But, you know, we live in a world where we have, um, you know, created amazing things like ice cream and, you know, other treats mm -hmm. and things like this. So it's not to restrict yourself, you know, to just whole foods, but to, to balance everything and, and have things in moderation. Uh, with B12, uh, I have nutritional yeast um, and that seems to be doing uh, well for me. Uh, the more nutritional yeast is anyway like... Um supplement uh, yeah, yeah in a sense like uh, i i treat it like a seasoning like i put on some foods and things like that okay. um but the more variety like humans uh, i think on average they we have 14 different foods our whole life as like a main source of 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 intake so the more variety that we can have the the better our bodies will be able to process different things and absorb different nutrients um, and that's my approach uh, I, th I believe there's a japanese concept eat the rainbow when it comes to uh eating your vegetables, so oh. have, have all of the color, but not Skittles. 
<laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Ha, ha, do you know this? Uh, yes. Yeah, we are. We are told to eat more colors as much as many as possible. How do you say that in Japanese? Um, that's not. It wasn't a rainbow. Just. Eat yeah, more just emo, emo colors. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, got, it got filtered down in translation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the sound of it. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. I wanted to ask a question. So, just back to controlling your emotions and, you know, your state of mind. Yeah. So, sometimes you always have accident, you know, or someone probably trying to, you know, provoke you or fight you on the street, you know, whenever something happens. Mm -hmm. in real life how do you what what's the technique you use to actually calm yourself down and kind of go back to the state you were before like actual like practical use like you know techniques you have to deal with like negative yeah negative energy choose love (laughs) no matter what so regardless of the situation um imagine you had a child and you know they spilt flour on the floor and if like they didn't know it it would create a mess you know they were probably just playing and some people they do things then they act not knowing not consciously they act mindlessly and some people act uh, as a way of projecting their inner emotions so someone who hasn't for example dealt with internal anger or frustration the way that uh, they process that is through projection through uh, directing that at others and that's a very clear way of understanding what people are going through in the way that they uh, interact with other people so I believe um, since I learned, uh, you know, this approach and uh, understanding of how people uh, interact with each other, uh, coming into the situation with love and just understanding that uh, everyone's going through their own thing, everyone has, um, you know, their own story uh, that I'm not always aware of uh, and to, to give them the benefit of the doubt and to just treat the situation in the highest light as possible you know regardless what happens uh, if i can choose love in that moment and i can choose understanding and compassion uh, i can remain in an unreactive state uh, and most likely diffuse the situation interesting it's uh is it easy practice it's like riding a bike fantastic i don't know sometimes i find I, i think there are so many factors at play and even when i think i master a specific skill then it's unpredictable something can always happen that destabilizes me Mm -hmm. uh what's what's the 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 secret to stay stable like to stick to your uh because uh, you do your meditation you do your breathing and then one day somebody's gonna piss you off and you're gonna go like it's not time for breathing this is time for punching like how do you deal with that uh, so I haven't had a situation that like that, uh, like any act of violence uh, to provoke me in that way. Um, but I believe everything external is a reflection of the internal. So if there was some type of uh, conflict happening outside of me, uh, it would be something that I have to explore within me, like what inner conflict is manifesting outside of me in this way. Um, and coming from that knowing or that understanding can allow me to, um, to stay unreactive. If, um, because consciousness is infinitely expanding, there is an endless refinement process uh, uh, and there are triggers. Uh, and I believe that these triggers are the next level or the next step in you've, man- you've managed to maintain a balanced state, a calm state, uh, and then now you're ready for a, a more uh, significant experience to then test whether you can maintain it at the next level. So like, repeti- like repetition, like riding a bike, um, you 
get the experience, you observe how you've responded, whether you did react, whether your emotions changed, and then it's a way to calibrate afterwards so that if it does happen again, you're prepared for it because you've had the first experience to then learn from. So you can keep growing and keep improving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So how do you see yourself in like, uh, you've been practicing Qigong for five years, right? How do you see yourself in five more years? Like, do you have any goal or uh, yep, yep. status that you want to achieve? Or uh? Yeah, so uh, in my personal practice, I um, began teaching, first I began just practicing myself. Uh, and through that own practice, I drew a lot of interest from other people wanting to learn uh, and practice with me. So we started to practice together the traditional form and then I started to teach uh, traditional Qigong. But I'd already been doing personal training and remedial massage for five years. And so I was quite aware of the the modern effects on the body, uh, you know, the nine to five, um, you know, um, sitting in a chair, like all these symptoms, the upper back, the weak core, lower back. And the traditional style was very effective, but it wasn't specifically addressing these issues. So I redefined uh, the system and created uh, a, a system more catered to the modern lifestyle. And then I started to see really, really good results. Um, and so since then, I've developed a system for each of the seasons. So. Um, the the platform which i teach new for you whole body health uh, my business my brand it is based on the five elements you have a website yeah new for you wholebodyhealth.com can, can we bring it up let's give you to have a look uh, nu number four why you nu number four why you yeah new for you com.au uh new for you wholebodyhealth.com dot just dot com just dot com okay so all um, all of your business is like encapsulated in that website. Yeah, yeah. Everything you do. Yeah, everything I do, except fire dancing. So this is more like the body mechanic side of things. Um, and it's it's based upon the um, the five elements. So you can see um, there's water, earth, spirit, air, and fire. And we all have these elements within us. You know, we create heat, we breathe air, we come from the earth, and we have 70% water. And of course, uh, we're animated by consciousness, you know, spirit. And my system is revolved around these five elements as well. So for each of the season, there is a different element. Uh, and I've created one for all five elements. And now I'm creating my second uh, set of five. And my goal is to uh, launch this on an online platform because I can only do so much where I live in Australia locally. Um, but to be able to reach people across the world on an international level uh, and then get to the stage where I can teach and certify people uh, my system and my methods so that more people can learn uh, how to take care of their bodies, how to enhance their health um, through this system. How long did it take to develop the whole system? And did you do it all on your own? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's actually really funny. Um, one of the reasons I went to China was to gain inspiration for, uh, for this system. So I developed the first, um, the first uh, sequence, uh, which was Phoenix Rising sequence. And it was based on the fire element. Okay. And then I developed, I was developing the, the next uh, element, which was air, but I was struggling. I was like, oh, like, how can I develop this? And the rising phoenix uh, sequence came um, intuitively to me. I started practicing in nature and the moves just came. They just developed. Um, and I started teaching that. And I taught it for a whole year and it worked, you know, fantastic. And then I felt that, oh, I, I needed more inspiration. I, I didn't know where to find um, the moves for the next sequence and how to develop them. So I thought, oh, if I go to China, um, maybe I can learn from the monks and they can teach me, I can develop uh, a deeper understanding. And it was really funny, I traveled across the world to go to China 
and um, we train every day um, in the morning and in the afternoon. And on the first day, I was like, oh, I really want to learn Qigong. And they're like, okay, yeah, no worries. Um, go over there. You'll learn some Qigong later. And so I'd be waiting and then Kung Fu practice would start and then we'd all have to start. So then I'd have to join in and then we keep practicing. Then the second day, same thing. I was like, oh, I, can we learn? Can I learn today? Like, can we do some Qigong? It's like, yeah, yeah, wait over there. And the same thing happened. And he, I kept getting pushed to the side and, and not practicing and just kept doing Kung Fu. And then eventually I injured myself. We kept doing... Um, uh, 540 kicks or um, spinning kicks and we would jump off the right leg kick with the right leg land on the right leg and mm. it was just a lot for four days in a row training twice a day and uh, my inner th I pulled my inner thigh my groin and so I told the monks that I cannot train I must like can I do qigong it's you know less intense and he said what qigong do you do and I was like oh, I have a practice that I do in Australia and he said just go do that I'll come over in half an hour so I started to do my own practice and then all the moves came and it all came from within. And I had to go to China across the world to discover that to find them in yourself, that it was all inside me the whole time. Yeah. Interesting. And do you think the, the injury had played a role in that? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. If I hadn't injured myself, he wouldn't have told me to go practice. And then if I didn't practice by myself, I wouldn't have discovered that it was all within me the whole time. How's the leg now? Oh, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. I made sure, like, all right, need to be strong. So, yeah. Yes. And talking about legs, it comes to mind that you mentioned uh, handstands before. Yes. I have a friend who is a um, handstand instructor. Mm. Uh, and you do the same, right? Yes. What's the drive? The drive is... is because it's not connected to spirituality, I guess. Like, handstand mm. is purely, like, uh, exercise for the body. Mm. Uh, so for me, it derives from uh, just another type of exercise and mastery over the body. So, um, you know, achieving freedom of movement and master, mastery over my body, uh, both the internal through the emotions uh, and the physical is, is a big goal of mine. Uh, and like, as you mentioned, in five years, this is somewhere I want to be um, to be able to control and move my body in any way I choose. And handstands is another element of balance uh, and exercise and body control that falls into that category so i used to do gymnastics when i was a teenager oh i love that and and through through gymnastics i used to do a lot of handstands um but back then it was just for competition for training uh and then later when i started to do fire spinning and we were more in the creative scene i saw a lot of people just doing handstands randomly in the street uh, and i was like oh yeah, i can do that and then i saw people making shapes and i was like oh this is something different like can i do this and then I started to play with it. Um, and because I had my foundation of gymnastics, uh, it, w it came a lot uh, easier for me because I'd already done the years of, of training and practice. Um, and I just kept playing with it and then um, eventually got to a level where yeah, now I teach it. That's fantastic. I should connect you with my friend. His name is uh, Sam. He runs a... Oh, from Manly? No, he's uh, Italian. Italian. Oh, okay. he, he used to live in Perth for a while. Um, he goes by Sam on hands. Uh, and he runs a handstand convention with uh, instructors from uh, at the convention. He just runs it. He doesn't teach. Yeah, yeah. That just like takes classes with because he invites instructors from all over the world. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and and COVID of course has been like a huge um, problem for the convention. But I think they're doing it anyway in Europe where they're still allowed to travel a little bit uh, locally. It depends on the time and the restriction in yeah, place yeah. at the moment. Um, but uh, I think that I find that you guys have in common is that. It's never one thing. It's not just like handstand or qigong or it's always like a variety of things that uh, are good for both the mind and the body. In, in his case, he's like um, he's a musician. He, every instrument that you can like give him, he's gonna be able to play it. Yeah, wow. And um, 
unicycle, um, uh, handstand, gym, gymnastics. Uh, he's also like a canoeist. Like uh, oh yeah 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 yeah. Um, yeah so th- there's always more. Like, w- what do you think about like specializing in something comp- compared to like? Um, a broader spectrum of, of mm. uh, activities um, so I have thought about this before because many times I've uh, when I've met people this is why I've developed the term body mechanic because um, you know it takes a whole conversation to explain all the things that I do and um, same I've, happens to me on a completely different uh, kind of like skill set but yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I've thought about specializing um, and if I did have to specialize it would just be Qigong um, but when I thought about it, the variety maintains the interest in the practice, for me at least. Um, and it's kind of like the five elements. They all work together to create, you know, the body or to create, you know, the earth, for example. Um, and so the practice, all, all the different practices that I do, they help to make up myself. And in the sense of the things that I enjoy doing, the balance between exercising, rest, relaxation, uh, the balance between the yin and the yang. Um, so as much as I think specializing would be cool for me personally, I I don't feel if I had to specialize it would be health and then all the things I do fall under health. So so you become a doctor. <laughs> a natural doctor, yeah. Natural doctor. Na- na- naturopath? Uh, is it? Um, maybe a new type of natural doctor. Um, definitely holistic. Um, maybe in 10, 20 years, something like that where... I've developed an understanding of all these different modalities, you know, Qigong yoga, personal training, remedial massage. It would be really cool to learn Ayurvedic medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, um, and just different ways to to heal the body, to move the body. Um, Because what I've learned over the years is already from PT and massage and Qigong, Kung Fu, uh, yoga, is there are a lot of areas that overlap. uh, And since noticing these overlapping areas, I've been able to connect more dots in how the body moves and how it functions and how it's connected and I feel that that will continue to to grow and I'll be able to connect more dots the more I learn and fire spinning seems to me <coughs> is the only thing that is not connected to any of that yeah and in a way it's the element of fire okay. um, but yeah I, I know what you mean um, yeah for me fire spinning is a, a platform of creative expression that is is very different um, yeah, it is the, the element of fire and through um, fire dancing. So uh, I really enjoy uh, anything that is to do with learning. Uh, I like learning mental tasks and I like learning physical tasks. And flow arts, which is what fire arts fall under, which is the um, practice of spinning a, a prop, is one of the best things you can do for creating more connections in the brain, for learning something new and, and actually growing new brain cells. Um, so on that side of things, I really enjoy it for that purpose, but also as just a way to express and to move and um, to to do something in a very unique and different way. Yeah, beautiful. Um, I, I, again, I find it just hypnotic. Do you have any any videos of you like uh, fire spinning uh, online or my Instagram? There is uh, there's a few videos. Can we bring it up? What's the Instagram page? Underscore Life of Dan. Everyone who's listening, follow Life of Dan on Instagram if you want to see some cool life that fire spinning. So let, let, try to summarize, like, if you have to give, like, five pieces of advice to people who are listening right now 
to improve their daily life? What would that be? I guess we're gonna start with breathing. Yeah, so I have a, uh, I have three, I have three things that I, uh, I have something. Um, so the main premise for like my Qigong practice. Oh yeah, if you scroll, okay. if you scroll down, I have a few ones. So I went to Uluru last year. Cool. There's a fire one. Uh, I spun at Uluru. Got, it's got good music. So there's like a podium powder in the stuff. No, no, let's just, uh, let's, just um, let's just keep talk talking on top of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really interested into the, 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 the advice about like, uh, you, you said, let's start from? Yeah, so there are three um, three concepts that I uh, promote. It's in really my cool, I agree. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, that I promote with my practice of Qigong. So uh, I've coined the term Qi Fit because it's a modern style of Qigong and it incorporates a lot of uh, calisthenics or bodyweight uh, movements in the practice. And it is to breathe more, to move more, and to feel good. And what I'd probably add on top of that is to have no fear and to have fun. Okay. How, what's the difference between feel good and have fun? So feel good is the um, internal state of your beingness and having fun is the experience. So you can, they can overlap, but you know, you can have a lot of fun on a roller coaster or you can have a lot of fun sitting, meditating, feeling good. Yes. So. yes. What about fear? That's something really interesting. Having no fear. Mm. Do you think that fear is always a negative emotion? No, fear is just fear. Um, <laughs> how we perceive it defines it. Um, so whether we perceive it as positive or negative, um, fear usually is the um, spotlight for the things that are most needed in our life or the uh, obstacle in front of where we want to be or where, what we want to do or where we want to go kind of thing. So it's, it's good in that sense. I, I use fear as a spotlight for um, what I need to overcome or rather what I need to run at because fear is an illusion and if you run at it, you'll discover that it's not there in what sense is an illusion it's a creation of the mind yes um, but uh, everything is a, a creation of the mind yes um but everything that surrounds us yes 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 so an illusion in the sense that as a creation of the mind it isn't real in that it how is it less real compared to other emotions that's a good question so uh, it is less real compared to other emotions in that the the emotional response uh, it probably it definitely still exists. You know, we can feel fear, we feel that emotion, but the idea of the scenario or the the feeling of what's about to happen, because typically fear is a, a biased idea of an event that hasn't happened yet. Like, oh, am I going to get anxiety? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's that future event that hasn't happened, which is the illusion. It is the um, the false pretense in which it sometimes um, we live our lives by, which I highly recommend not to do that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I strictly try to follow the rule, never have expectations because they lead to... Disappointment. The, yeah. Suffering. Suffering and, and anxiety. And I think like even like it, it doesn't matter if, if the expectation is met or not. Whatever comes between like when you start expecting something to happen and whenever that happens or not not, not happen, uh, everything in the middle is just not positive for you. Like it doesn't mm. play in, in, in your favor. 
So uh, with fear, though, I think that sometimes it could be like uh, an asset in a way that like prevents you from doing something that could be hurtful to yourself or uh, avoids damage or like kind of protective. At the same time, negative emotions sometimes can teach us something. It, the problem is we, okay, the way I would phrase it, we should, fear is bad if you fear fear. But if you embrace it and understand what, it, what that is and how you can take advantage of that emotion, then it becomes positive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I believe everything has a neutral, everything is neutral and in the universe, love, fear, any, anything, but how we use it or how we perceive it gives it its definition. And puts it out of balance. Yeah, like, um, like we can perceive things in duality as positive or negative, um, or we can perceive things as is and just uh, experience them as they are for what they are without the, that spin on it. Um, I believe um, this actually was in the movie After Earth where Will Smith talked about fear and danger. So danger is definitely real, but fear is just an illusion, uh, an idea of the mind. Um, so I believe definitely in that sense it can you know protect us. Like don't go too close to the edge of the cliff. For example, it's windy. Um, but yeah, using it as um, as an asset to, to show you where in your life uh, you may be limiting yourself based on your beliefs, based on your ideas of things. Yes, absolutely. I like that um, danger and fear differently. It's, it's, it's crucial. I know that you, you have to rush to uh, an appointment. I, I would like to keep talking. This is uh, very interesting. I have more on, on this kind of things I try to generally have more of a scientific sort of approach but i always like to i really enjoy spiritual uh point of views and mm. i try to find like where the missing link is uh so uh, this is to say I, I would enjoy talking to you more but maybe we can do it another time yeah and yeah me too I, thanks I, a lot for coming uh, is there anything else that you want to say to whoever might be listening uh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, so if you if you have any questions uh, to me specifically or Francesco, like uh, feel free to message us. Uh, I like I, I go by Ramon. Ramon, oh. <laughs> yeah, same as you go by Danza. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I'm always happy to help. Uh, anything to do with consciousness or the body or the mind or healing and things like that. So if you have any questions related to that or just want to say hi, um, yeah, you know where to reach me. Fantastic. Thank you very much and good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you. Molto bene. Molto bene.